and welcome back to The Everyday Therapist. I'm Dr. Deb and I'm the host of this channel. This is a place where we talk about all sorts of things having to do with psychology from both a research perspective and a clinical perspective. Now, I've been discussing the cluster B personality disorders and today we are going to discuss the last one of the three and it's called schizotypal personality disorder. And it is sort of cross between the paranoid personality disorder and the schizoid, but it has some other features. Now, um, a person who is diagnosed as this type of personality disorder has to show at least five of the of a list of a list of symptoms and must start showing these symptoms at least as late as early adulthood. So it's something that shows up pretty early in a person's life. Now, the primary uh, factor that we see or as part of the diagnosis is someone who is very discomforted uh, around others, sort of as, as the other two personality disorders tend to be. Uh, and there's a, a reduced capacity for relationships. And that sounds a lot like the schizoid personality disorder that I mentioned before, but there's some other aspects. For example, somebody who is schizotypal will also probably show various kinds of cognitive or perceptual distortions and eccentric behavior. Often these people will have what are, what's considered to be magical thinking. Now, sometimes this might be in terms of saying that the person has ESP or uh, very sorts of strange types of beliefs. Uh, but the thing is, again, not everyone who has uh, uh, views of ESP or says that they see spirits or whatever, they may, they are probably not necessarily schizotypal. Yep. Because again, you have to have a whole constellation of thought processes and perceptions, not just one or two. I mean, I know a lot of people who have reported seeing ghosts or have ESP or uh, other sorts of things that some people might call magical things. Even myself has some of that. So, uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm not schizotypal. So again, that's just one potential uh, diagnostic factor. Ad additionally, uh, people who might be classified as uh, with this personality disorder, they may have some odd perceptual illusions. For example, they might feel that they're floating at times. But again, this is just one uh, particular factor, not everything. So again, you have a combination of being anxious around people, uh, having reduced capacity for relationships, odd thinking, uh, also may have some odd speech behaviors such as vague or metaphorical speech. So it's a combination or constellation of things going on. Additionally, the person may be very suspicious of others and very likely to uh, potentially have sort of inappropriate or flat affect. So it's somebody who comes across as sort of robotic. So again, it's a, a constellation of behaviors. Now, the reason why people such as these might show up in a clinical setting is because of 
their tendency towards anxiety, uh, or they may be depressive, or they know something is not quite right, so they show up. But again, it's a very small percentage of the per, uh, population that has been uh, defined as having schizotypal personality disorder. Basically three to 4%, if that. But that's because, again, we don't see them very often in a clinical setting. And they do seem to be related in terms of having uh, a familial background in that first order family members may have uh, show this, you know, say siblings or parent and child may, may show this. And it seems to be a bit more common in men than in women. So again, it's a constellation. It's not just one item that would define somebody as having a schizotypal disorder. So again, look at it as a constellation. And so those are the three uh, cluster A personality disorders that we've gone over, the, the paranoid, uh, schizoid, and now the schizotypal. So moving on, I'll be talking about the cluster B personality disorders, and they're the ones we see most of in a clinical setting. And that includes uh, borderline personality disorder, histrionic, uh, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. So those are the ones that we see. Now, I should mention, narcissistic personality disorder does not come in because the person realizes he or she's nar a narcissist. Those people come in because somebody else has told them that they need to come in or they are coming in for some other kind of support, such as substance abuse disorder or something like that. So that's what's going to be coming up in this series on personality disorders. Now, to shift to something different, remember I mentioned that I also have a background in sort of holistic approaches to uh, mental health? Well, last time we talked a bit about sleep and melatonin. Well, today I'm going to talk about two other kinds of vitamins or substances that have a significant effect on people's mental health. Now, I need to remind you that I cannot prescribe or anything like that. So you must talk to your own physician to have, say, your vitamin levels checked or to discuss whether or not you need to add in certain items or elements into your diet to see if it will help. So let's talk about vitamin D. Now, we call the vitamin D the sunshine vitamin. And if you go outside, uh, your body will, uh, in the sun, will produce vitamin D. And we have found that it is very important for various kinds of health. Now, in terms of mental health, having appropriate levels of vitamin D are very important for prevention of, uh, or addressing problems such as schizophrenia, depression, and seasonal affective disorder. So if you talk to your doctor and ask about vitamin D and may have these kinds of issues, it might be helpful. Now, another vitamin that is very important is folic acid or vitamin B9. Now, when a woman is pregnant, uh, she's as part of her prenatal vitamins, vitamin uh, B9 or folic acid will be very important because it helps prevent certain birth defects. 
But we now know that folic acid or folate, as it is, is sometimes called, is very important in uh, treating things such as depression and bipolar. And in fact, I once had a client who, before she came to see me, was actually able to control her own bipolar disorder with the use of micronutrients and balancing out her folic acid levels. But an important thing about folic acid is that approximately 40% of people in the U.S. cannot process it appropriately because, because of a certain genetic mutation. And now I have to read this off a piece of paper because I will forget how to pronounce this. It has to do with this uh, genetic mutation of the methylaxylene tetrahydrofolate reductionase, also known as the MTHFR gene. And people who have this mutation cannot process folic acid properly. And so they need to take a different version of folic acid or folate. And so this is another thing to talk with your doctor to see if you would benefit from having a different kind of folate or folic acid just to help improve mood. As I said, it apparently has a very strong effect with regard to depression and bipolar. And I will include a link down below to an article from Psychology Today that discusses in detail how important it is to have the right type of uh, vitamin B9 in your diet. So that's all for today. And if you have found this to be a useful video, please give it a thumbs up. Think of subscribing and passing it along to your friends and family who might find it to be useful. So again, the next time around, I'm going to start talking about the cluster B personality disorders, and I'll have some more hints about how to help your mental health with more, uh, as I said, holistic approaches. So see you again. Bye.